want to share with you a passage of Scripture this morning in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 16. Uh, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. We approach this marvelous passage of Scripture to remind ourselves of this incredible truth of how that God brings hope to us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that as we celebrate His birth, we actually continue to celebrate His ongoing work, His continuing work in this world. It's all wrapped up together. His virtuous life, His miraculous birth, uh, His substitutionary death, his victorious resurrection, and uh, yes, his glorious return. All of that wrapped up in that message of hope uh, that was lying in a, laid in a manger in Bethlehem so long ago. Uh, this brings us then to that great truth of how Jesus is not only alive in our world today, but he is active. You see, we celebrate or commemorate the lives of many people by celebrating their birth, their birthday. We celebrate uh, Washington's birthday, uh, Columbus's birthday, Martin Luther King's birthday. And as we celebrate their birthday, we're celebrating whatever it was that they accomplished in their life. That's why we celebrate their birthday. But when we celebrate the birthday of Jesus Christ, it is absolutely unique. Because, you see, we are celebrating not only what he accomplished then, but what he continues to accomplish. He is alive and he is active. So that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is working this is emphasized several times in Paul's writings to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first the Lord himself. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus then, personally involved, personally active, and interacting in the truths that are revealed. This is an action-packed passage before us this morning, and it brings to mind two different concepts. First, it talks of what grace provides for us through Jesus Christ. What grace provides. Verse 16, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. This is yet another passage that speaks to us of the God who loves and the God who gives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John reminded us that God's gift to us through Jesus Christ does not mean that everybody in the world is saved. Uh, he told us that in John chapter 1 when he said Jesus came unto his own, uh, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And he went immediately to that great truth of the incarnation which we celebrate today. The word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But not everybody who saw the glory of the incarnation believed. Not everybody then. Not everybody today. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody who celebrated Christmas around the world believed on the Christ who caused it all and received that greatest gift of all wrapped up in Jesus Christ? Paul tells us very quickly uh, that this salvation that comes to us through him is not a temporary thing. He gives us everlasting consolation. That has two applications to us. Number one, it's like a stream that is constantly flowing and never runs dry. A spring of consolation in us, everlasting. Number two, it speaks to us of the eternal nature of our salvation so that it is a consolation then that surpasses time and enters into the realm of eternity. This consolation then also carries with it something good hope. Good hope. A hope that's going to be made good. Good hope. Good hope. This is not the hope of speculation. I hope I'm going to get a new car for Christmas. It is a hope of expectation. I hope that the new car I get for Christmas is a red one. I, you know, that, but even that doesn't fit it. It is a hope that Paul spoke of in Romans chapter 8 when he says, you know, what we see, that is what we have. What do we hope for? We are hoping for something, folk, that is a hope only because it is yet unseen. It is not that it is in doubt. It is not that it is in question. And I hope today you have that kind of confidence in your life about your own personal salvation. Not a hope so. Well, I hope I'm saved. Oh, no, no, that's not the concept. This good hope that we have in Jesus Christ is the hope that says, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm not there yet, though, so until I am, I'm still hoping for it. It's the hope of anticipation. Our consolation and good hope then fulfills that great truth that Paul spoke of in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said, if we are in this life only, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And so what Jesus Christ provides for us by his grace, eternal consolation and a good hope, and then what grace promotes what grace provides and what grace promotes, he says, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. The believers in Thessalonica were enduring hard times, even to the point of persecution and bloodshed. So much so, so much so that many of the believers in Thessalonica had decided they were already in the tribulation. And maybe that they'd already missed the rapture and the resurrection. They were puzzled and they were confused. There were all kinds of hard times and difficult experiences, and they didn't stop in Thessalonica. They continue in your life, in my life, in the lives of multitudes around our community and around the world. Hardships, difficulties continue. Uh, there is evil in the world, and God's people have suffered in the past, and even now are suffering under horrible persecution in many parts of the world. 
if the prosperity gospel so popular in America today is the truth, why would we have to have our hearts comforted? Why would they pray for them to be comforted? Why would we need the comfort of the gospel? Thank God we do have it. So that even in the midst of our sufferings, even when difficulties come, even when that promise that Jesus made to us, in the world you shall have tribulation, even when that tribulation comes knocking on your door and my door, even then God moves to comfort our hearts by the truth of the gospel. That the comfort of God is like medicine. It only works if you take it. Grace comforts us. It doesn't mean that we won't still have anxiety. Over the last few years, I've, I've been prone to anxiety attacks that hit me with a mindless, reasonless fear out of nowhere. It grips my heart. I wake up in the middle of the night terrified sometimes. And it's a feeling that doesn't just go away. You say, well, Brother Rich, they have medicine for that. They do. It's called prayer. In my life, I pray to God. And start talking to him and said, tell him, praying his word back to us. God, you didn't give us a spirit of fear. I pray passages just like our, this one in our text. God, you've promised to comfort our hearts, comfort mine. But the consolation and the comfort and the hope that God gives to us is not, in, uh, it's not intended to, as the old preachers used to say, cause us to just sit around on our blessed assurance. There are words, you see, to speak. And that's what the text says. Let us speak the words. There are words you need to speak, and only you can speak them with the power that comes when you speak it. And that's not to say that God doesn't call men like me to preach the word to them. It is to say that there are people that know you, that are close to you that are familiar with your testimony, people in whose ears and hearts words you speak matter. And so Paul says, Lord, encourage us and and enable us to to speak the words that we need to speak. And not only are there words to do, but there are works for us to perform. Help us then, God. This is what grace promotes. We know what grace provides, but what grace promotes, that we would speak those good words of our faith, that we would do the works that God has for us to do. And by joining the Lord's work today, I'm not necessarily saying to you that you need to surrender to preach or surrender to missionary, to be a missionary in some foreign field. Remember, Colossians chapter 3 tells us that whatever we do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You see, it doesn't matter whose time clock you punch. It doesn't matter who signs your paycheck. The fact is, you, because you're a believer in Jesus Christ, are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're doing that when you go to work on Monday, just like you do it when you go to church on Sunday. It's a great truth of our faith is that God doesn't call us all to vocational ministry, but God calls us all to a service that only you and only I can do. Words, maybe that only you can speak to somebody who might listen to you, but no one else. 
And so grace promotes us. This grace of Jesus Christ that provides for us that comfort and consolation promotes us to speak and to serve. Through his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension to glory, his ongoing work, and his future return, Jesus is alive and active in all of us to give us this eternal consolation and good hope so our hearts can be comforted and our word and work is encouraged. And we live out the truth that Paul finished that great resurrection chapter with in 1 Corinthians 15. You say, Brother Rich, you get your holidays mixed up. No, no. If you're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, you have to celebrate the fact that he is still alive and still active. And because of that, Paul said, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.